Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. Page 851, Chapter 3. The Alter Rebbe has explained that the activating force of the Creator must constantly be vested within, the cre- within creation, ceaselessly recreating and re-animating created beings ex nihilo, from nothing. This force consists of the creative letters which emanate from the five super- supernal organs of verbal articulation. Now, following these words of truth concerning the nature of creation, Namely, that the activating force must continually be vested in created beings and create them ex nihilo. That means he's creating us from nothing every every moment. Otherwise, we'd go back to nothing. Right. Every discerning person will understand clearly that every creature and being, even though it appears to have an existence of its own, is in reality considered to be absolute naught and nothingness. In relation to this, in relation to the activating force which ceases, which creates it, and the breath of his mouth, which is within it, continuously calling it into existence, and bringing it from absolute non-being into being. Since this function must be continuous, it follows that the Creator's activating force is the true, true reality of its existence. The being itself bears no comparison to the activating <coughs> force, which is wholly responsible for its existence. What he's saying here is he's taking it a, a step further. Before he explained in chapter 1 or chapter 2 that the divine energy, the letters, the Hebrew letters, the holy divine energy with which Hashem creates all of existence and constantly brings it into existence. If the divine energy would seize for one moment, we would all re- revert back to nothingness. And he explained in the second chapter how since our essential nature is nothing, the divine energy needs to constantly and continuously recreate us. There needs to be a creative force, a creative energy that's constantly bringing us into existence. But now, he's saying, he's taking it a step further, that based on that, that not only are we dependent on the divine energy, not, on, not only are we like like uh, energy that's dependent on its source, clearly dependent on its source, like light from the sun that's clearly dependent on the source, on the sun. You can't see the sun. If you disconnect the light from the sun, there's no light. So it's not only that we totally depend, our existence totally depends on the source, which would make us totally nullified to the source, because if we're totally dependent on the source, like electricity, the moment you switch off the switch, you disconnect, then, then there, there is no light. You disconnect from the source, there, there, is no, there, there is no light. It ceases to flow. So not only are we, are we totally dependent on the source, but it's, it's much more than that. Our very existence is that there is really nothing but the source. Since every moment, the divine energy, the creative energy is creating us, therefore, what are we really? We're not an entity, but an entity that's dependent on its source. The light outside of the sun, the light is an entity. It has properties, an entity. But it's an entity that's totally dependent on its source. Electricity is an entity, but it's an entity that's totally dependent on its source. 
It has to be obviously connected to its source. Energy is connected to its source. It's an independent entity with its own properties, but it's totally dependent on its source. And it constantly points to its source because it has no independent existence but for its source. But here we're saying it's much more than that. That we're not an independent entity. Since the godly energy is constantly creating us each and every moment, and therefore our whole being is nothing other than the divine energy. There is nothing else but the divine energy. There really is no independent entity. There really is nothing but the divine energy. How are we able to define the source then when we commit sins or do go against if, if, if everything is the source, how are we able to, what do we call upon to do to uh, rebel against that source? Oh, that's what he's going to explain. We don't see it that way. If we were to see it that way, then it would be impossible. If, you're very, if your very essence is the divine, that you are nothing but the divine, and there is nothing but the divine, there is no separate entity. There's nothing separate, there's no time, there's no space, there's nothing really separate from God. So how could there be a, a sense of independence? We're going against and especially how could there be a conscious, deliberate going against the divine? How could there be any continuity? Right. It should be like, it should be like friction. It should be like, uh, you, should be null, you should cease to exist. Yeah, the moment you even think something about your food. Right? It cease, cease to exist? Well, analogy is, is uh, the frames in a, in a movie. In a movie, you know, they're independent frames. But if you spin them fast enough, you see them moving. Right. Because there's no, there's no action except for the oh. independent. You see, but that, see, that's an illusion. See, Hollywood, yeah. is, Hollywood is an illusion. Right. A movie, you're right. A movie is just an illusion. Mm-hmm. It's really just stills. But it moves so quickly, it, it gives you the illusion of movement. But this world, creation, is not an illusion. You can't say creation is an illusion. That this whole thing is just a Hollywood dream. Or a nightmare, or a dream. God forbid. You can't say it's an illusion. How do we know this? The Eastern mystics, by the way, say that it's all one big illusion. Ego is one big maya. The whole ego world, and time, and space, and the whole world that we live in is really just one big illusion. And the enlightened person is the one who wakes up from this bad dream. But the Torah tells us it's not so. Torah tells us, Bereshit bara lukim. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. It's real. God created a physical entity. And we have a Torah and we have a mitzvot. It's not an illusion. If someone desecrates Shabbos, but he doesn't do anything, he just plays magic and it appears to be as if he's doing. You don't... You don't you haven't violated Shabbos, just an appearance. But if you physically do a work on Shabbos, you can get stoned to death. So this is no illusion. The Torah is saying if a Jew does a mitzvah, you get reward. If you don't do, there's consequences. It, it's no illusion. God forbid to say that the world is an illusion. The Torah says in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. I mean, the world is very real. But nevertheless, we're saying that the divine energy must constantly create, the creative force, the creative energy must constantly um, go inside the object and constantly create the object. The words of Hashem 
let there be heaven, is constantly in the heaven. The words of Hashem, that the fruit, the tree should give off fruit, that utterance, that declaration is constantly within the tree. That's creating the tree and all the properties of the tree and the ability to grow, in the ground, the ability to grow. So this divine energy is constantly inside everything that exists and it's constantly creating it and sustaining it and bringing it into existence. And if this creative divine energy would, would stop for a second, everything would cease to exist if it never existed before. So it's not only that we're an entity, but we're an entity that's dependent on the divine. We have no independent existence. We are truly like energy or light that's constantly connected to its source. That we must be connected to our source because otherwise we would cease to exist. He's saying it's much deeper than that. We are like the light and the energy that's within the source. Because in the sun, right, you create what's outside. Here there's no outside. It's, it's, we are in the source. The source is within us, so we are within our source. So we are, our whole, we have no, there, there's nothing else but the source really. So there's nothing else really but the divine. Our whole being is really divine. Because if the divine energy has to be constantly within us and constantly creating us, so it's not only we're an entity, but we're dependent on the source. We are within the source. There's nothing else but the source. There's nothing else but the divine. That is our essence. So yes, it's a physical entity, but the whole essence of the physical entity is that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a non-entity. <laughs> the reason that all things created and activated appear to us as existing, self-subsisting and tangible, and we feel to see the divine activating source, which is the true reality of any created being, is that we do not comprehend or see with our physical eyes the power of Hashem and the breath of His mouth, which is in the created thing. So we, not only don't we feel that our whole being, our whole essence is the divine, not only don't we feel that we are an entity that's totally dependent on our source, like energy is connected, like light is connected to its source. Light doesn't consider itself a separate entity, independent entity. Light knows that the moment you disconnect it from its source, it ceases to exist. Electricity knows the moment you switch the, the light off, the electricity stops flowing. The moment you disconnect it from the generator, it stops flowing. But not only don't we feel that we're an independent entity, but... but but so much so, we don't even feel that we, we feel totally independent. From one extreme to the next. Question How is that possible? You question the existence of God. Yeah, exactly. So much so, we even question the existence of God. Look how ridiculous and absurd it is. <laughs> the divine energy is within us, constantly creating us. Not only are we totally dependent on the divine energy, our whole essence is divine. We're within the source. There's nothing but the source. There's nothing but God. There's nothing but God in us. Nevertheless, not only don't we sense that there's nothing but God, not only don't we sense that we're an independent entity, but we're totally dependent. There is a source. We're connected, but we, don't, we feel totally independent. So much so that some of us even question the existence of God. To that extent, the, 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 the hiding, the concealment, or the lie, the con of this world is to such an extent that it's, it gives us a... We have a totally distorted picture. So how is this possible? So he says it's because we do not comprehend. We don't see with our physical eye. With our natural eye, we don't see. God did not give us the ability to see 
with our naked eye, with our natural eye, when we look at reality, we don't see a real picture of reality. We don't see the energy. <coughs> our whole scope of sight is very minute, is very tiny. We only see a very tiny spectrum of, 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 of seeing. So we get a very, very distorted picture. You look at the table, you see a table. You don't see the atom, you don't see the energy, you don't see the swirling energy. We get a very, a very, uh, a very, a very distorted picture of what's really going on. We see the final product. <coughs> we see the final product. We don't see the process. We don't see that that the world is a constant, continuous process. Really, everything is being recreated each and every moment. Everything is swirling energy. Matter is energy. The world is alive. The world is vibrant. The world is dynamic. The world is moving. The world is flowing. The world is changing. You don't see that. Your eye sees a very rigid, solid, inert, tangible, material, independence, fragmented, external world. So the eye doesn't see, doesn't see the reality. Continue, if however. If however the eye will permit it to see and to comprehend the life force of spirituality, which is in every created thing, flowing into it from that which proceeds from the mouth of Hashem and His breath, then the physicality, materiality, and tangibility of the creature would not be seen by our eyes at all. For it, this physicality, etc., is completely nullified in relation to the life force and the spirituality which is within it. Since without the spirituality within it, it would be naught and absolute nothing. Exactly as before the six days of creation, at which time the creature was utterly non-existent. The spirituality that flows into it from that which proceeds from the mouth of God and his breath, that alone continuously brings it forth from naught and nullity into being, and this spirituality gives it existence. Hence there is truly nothing besides him in any created being, apart from the divinity, the only true reality that brings it into existence. The created being does not constitute a true reality inasmuch as it is wholly dependent for its existence on the continuous flow of divine life force. Indeed, its existence verily consists of that activated force. So he says, although we can't see it with the naked eye, but the fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe said, a person could see it with the eye of your mind. If you dwell on this and you focus on this and you meditate on this, you could bring yourself to see godliness with your eye, so to speak. You could appreciate, you could, if you think very deeply about the truth, that the world is really not the way it appears to be. The world is actually a dynamic process, an ongoing process. It's ongoing every moment, every split second. The world is being recreated, totally recreated, brand new, fresh, dynamic. And that, therefore, not only are we totally dependent on our source, but the truth is our very substance is really divine. There's nothing else. It's not that we are independent being, but we are dependent. Not only, not only are we uh, the, um, a separate being, but totally dependent on our source. We're, there is no separate being. Our whole being is nothing other than godliness, the divine. That's our substance. There is nothing else. Because since we are constantly dependent on God, and if for one moment the divine energy would leave us, we would cease to exist. So the divine energy, the creative energy, has to constantly recreate us. 
So what that means really is that what am I? Nothing other than God. So of course, it's not an illusion. The physical world, God created the physical world. The physical world is real. But you wouldn't see, it wouldn't mean anything. You wouldn't see the physical. You would see, you would notice, and you would see the divine. That's the only thing that would catch your eye. You wouldn't even notice the physical. Because the, 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 the real substance of the physical, what it's really all about, is really the divine. The creative energy. That's what it's really all about. It's not about the physical. So you wouldn't notice the physical if the eye were able to see the way the eye will see after Mashiach comes, or especially after the resurrection, especially after the year 6000, when with the naked eye we'll be able to physically, we'll see the world differently. The Talmud says in the year 6000 the world will be destroyed. It doesn't mean that God is going to destroy the world, there's going to be earthquakes or tsunamis, or God is going to wreak havoc and destruction of the world. God forbid. It means the world as we know it today will be destroyed. There will be a physical change, just like resurrection will be a dramatic change. There's a step even beyond the resurrection, which is the year 6000. The level of the year 6000, the, the sabbatical. During the sabbatical, our eyes will open up. We'll physically be able to see the divine energy that's constantly creating each and everything. If you are able to physically see the divine energy, the world as you know it will be totally destroyed. You wouldn't see the earthiness. You wouldn't even notice it. The only thing you'll see is the infinite. You'll see the divine. Not that the world is an illusion. The world is real, but... It, but the rea- its true reality is nothing other than the divine energy that's constantly creating it. Because creation is, creation is an ultimate miracle. Only God has the power to create. Creation is not a revelation. And this is where the analogy to the sun is not a good analogy. When you say the sun emits light, so the light resembles the sun. That's why the properties of the light resemble the sun. The sun is a ball of energy. Light gives off heat, it gives off light, because it's connected. The light existed within the sun, and then it, emanated, then it, it flows from the sun, so the properties of the light reflect the sun. The same is with the soul. The soul gives off life, because the essence of the soul is an essence of life, and therefore it emanates the ability to give life. When the soul connects to the body, the body comes alive. So, from the light, you can tell, you can learn something about the source. The light and the source are connected. The light reflects the source. You look at the light, it tells you, it describes something about the source. The light of the sun tells me a little about the sun. It points to the sun. I see the sun. I'm able to learn something about the sun. The sun is a ball of fire, of energy, of heat, of, of light. Creation, something from nothing, is not the same. The physical doesn't exist within the source. There's no stone, physical stone, within the source. God is not a stone. So the physical doesn't exist within the source. And that's why it's the ultimate divine miracle. A creation of something from nothing is the ultimate divine miracle. It's not like the sun. The sun is just emanating something that already existed within the sun. Or when a person speaks, the letters are within the soul. And the soul is filled with words. And the soul emits words. They come from the, from the soul. So, so therefore there's a connection between words and the personality and the person. The words are descriptive. The type of words that you use are very unique to your personality, to your character. Words come from a very 
the place within your soul. So although words are very external, superficial, it's like a light, it's, it's, but nevertheless, there's a reflection between the words and the source. You can't say the same about the physical. You can't say that the physical is a reflection of the source, of the divine. There's nothing physical in the divine. There's no table, there's no stone. And only the divine, only God has the power to create something from nothing. That's truly something from nothing. It doesn't exist within the source. There's nothing physical in the source. There's nothing spiritual in the source. God is undefined. God is not spiritual. God is not physical. So it's not like God is revealing from within himself. He's emitting a stone. There's no stone. There's nothing physical within God. And only God has the power to create something from nothing. But because it's something from nothing, the divine energy must constantly be within the stone. The Hebrew words, Evan, which are the divine energy, constantly must be in the stone to create the stone and to animate the stone and to sustain the stone and it's recreated each and every moment in a vibrant, dynamic, ongoing process that's happening each and every moment. The stone appears to us to be inert, but the truth is the stone is alive. It's a dynamic, vibrant process that's ongoing each and every split, every second. And this, the, since the, the something, the physical stone, could only exist because of the divine energy that's constantly creating the stone and sustaining the stone. Therefore, it's not only the stone is totally dependent on, on the divine, but the stone is nothing else but the divine. Because since you need the divine creative energy to constantly create it and bring it into existence, a physical stone, that you can bang your head on, and he's constantly creating your head also, and everything, everything that exists. Therefore, really there's nothing else but the divine. So it's not that the world is an illusion. It's not that God didn't create a stone, and it's just like a movie. We're seeing a bunch of stills, and it's just an illusion, as the Eastern mystics claim, that the whole world is just one big illusion. There is no time, and there is no space, and there is no stone, and there's no table, and there's, it's just one big illusion. Torah said in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. It's real. And the Torah is real. And the mitzvot are real. The mitzvot deal with the physical. There's money. And there's a poor person. And there's a hand that sticks his hand into his pocket and takes the hard-earned money and helps a poor person. It's very real. It's not an illusion. But at the same time, in the year 6,000, we'll physically be able to see the divine energy, the process, the infinite, constantly creating Something from nothing. And the divine energy is constantly within this cup of water, within this place, within everything that exists. Therefore, what is really this cup of water? If you were to see the divine energy, and you were to see the process, and you were to see this, this, this dynamic, vibrant, creative process, with your physical eye, naturally, without work, you didn't have to be educated, you didn't have to go to school to learn and to meditate, to reflect. You just open your eyes and you just saw, at this moment, how the infinite how the divine energy is constantly transforming itself. The word Mayim, the Hebrew energy of Mayim, divine energy, the letters Mayim, is transforming itself at this split second into the water with all its properties and chemicals, chemical properties, etc. Then you wouldn't notice the water. It's not, it's not, of course it's water. But it's not, what is it, water? It's not about the water. It's about the real story is the creative energy. That's what, re that's what it's really all about. So It's not an illusion, but at the same time its whole essence is really divine. But 
God created us with blinders, and He intentionally created us with blinders, that we should not see, we don't see any of this. Naturally, we don't see any of this. There are billions of people who go through life and never even suspect, never even dawns on them, never even have a suspicion. They can go through 120 years of life and never even have a suspicion that maybe their whole existence is really divine. Not only aren't you really independent, but the truth is your, your, your whole being is really divine. You are like within the source. You're not like the light that's outside of the sun, a separate entity, but an energy that connects with its source, recognizes its source. But you're like a light that's within the sun. There's nothing else but the source. Your whole being is really the godly creative energy that can create something from nothing, which only God could. Create a physical object. It's only within the power of God to create something that doesn't exist in its source. All human analogies were just revealing something that exists already. You're not creating something that didn't exist before. But to create a physical object, physical doesn't exist. It doesn't even exist in the spirit, let alone in the divine. A stone doesn't exist in the spirit. You can go from level to level, and spiritual level to another spiritual level, reveal one level after the other like a long chain, and go endless, but you never end up with a physical stone. Only God has the power to create something from nothing. What's the ultimate creation something from nothing? The physical, the material. It doesn't exist in its source. It doesn't even exist in the spiritual, let alone in the divine. So to create something from nothing is truly a divine. It's truly something from nothing. And only God has the power to create something from nothing that has no source, that has no, I mean, that has no, that comes from nothing. It has no precedence. Just exists. Suddenly it appears. Cup of water. Suddenly the world appears. Suddenly we appear. Suddenly time and space appear. Suddenly the world is. Suddenly angels appear. Suddenly created entities appear. Out of nothing. They don't exist in the source. It's not a revelation. It's not like a, a woman who's pregnant and she gives birth. So the baby was there and she's just revealing it. Or you're pregnant with, with a thought and then you reveal it by speaking. So you're revealing something that already existed in some form. Or emotion. Emotion, you're revealing something that already in your mind existed already. In your mind, you already had a, a thought. You know, this is something good that I should love and I should be attracted to. And this is something... And then it's revealed in the form of full-blown emotion. You love, you hate. But that's a revelation. That's not a creation. Creation means something from nothing. Something that doesn't exist in its source. Light is not a good example. Light is not a creation something from nothing. Because light exists within the source. The source is, emits light. It emanates from light. Therefore, the light resembles and reflects on the source. From the light, I can know something about the source. The sun is a ball of energy, and therefore it gives off heat and it gives off light. The soul is a ball of life, therefore it gives its energy, it has the power to, uh, to, to um, give life to the body. So from, from its emanation, from the energy that it emits, you can learn something about the source. From the physical stone, I don't know anything about God. God is not a stone. God is not a cup of water. God is not an angel. So it doesn't exist in its source. It's a truly a creation, something from nothing. 
And yet only, only God has the power to create something. And if God would not constantly create it, it would cease to exist. So the godly energy must constantly be inside this cup of water. The Hebrew words mayim are right now in this cup of water, creating this water and all the waters around the world. If the divine energy would leave this cup of water, it would cease to exist. So not only is this cup of water totally dependent on God, its whole essence is really godliness, nothing else. It's the divine creative energy to create this cup of water and to create you and I and to create the angel and to create everything that exists. So our connection to God is so intimate. It's not only we're, we're dependent on God. There's nothing else but God. And yet at the same time, it's not an illusion. It sounds quite paradoxical. But here you have the two different perspectives. The way we see it. And the truth. And now he's going to bring an analogy which helps us understand that there really are two perspectives. Yeah. When you say that you'll be able to see the divine energy in the object, but the object will still keep the distinguished. Yeah. So it will not become nothing. No, that's, that's, what, that's what he says. It doesn't mean the world will physically be destroyed. But the world as we know it, Olam comes from the word Helem, the hiddenness, the concealment will be gone. Even now, what do we see? We see in a lowest spectrum. A person, a person could have a tzaddikim, were able to have x-ray vision. Adam was able to see with his naked eye, was able to see from one end of the world to the other. There was no blockage for him. He didn't have a small spectrum like we had. He was able to see from one end of the world with his naked eye. That's the, the, the light. It says God created light, the original light that God hid until Mashiach will come. And it says, where did he hide it? Someone came to the Bashemtiv and he was looking for his wife. Her husband ran away and the Bashemtiv opened the Zohar. He says, Go to this and this place, you find your husband. So he asked him, Why do you look in the Zohar? He says, Because it says that God created the light. In the beginning of creation, God created the light that you're able to see from one end of the world to the other. X ray vision, you're able to see physically from one end of the world to the other. But then he hid it. When Adam sinned, he hid it. Where did he hide it? in the Torah, but especially the Zohar. The Zohar comes from the word light, illumination. So the Baal Shem looked in the Zohar, he was able to see with that light from one end of the world to the other. The famous Hasidic master, his name was the Chose of Lublin. He was the seer of Lublin, because he was known. He can physically see hundreds of miles around. Physically, with his eyes, he was able to see what's going on hundreds of miles. So our whole spectrum of vision is... is, is you know, the Torah says, God shrunk Adam. Adam was a giant, but then God shrunk him. So our whole spectrum of reality is really, we're getting a very tiny spectrum of reality. So we don't see. We have blinders up. But if, if Mashiach will come, especially after the resurrection, especially, especially after the year, the year 6,000, then you will physically, with the naked eye, will physically see the infinite, the divine energy, the process, the ongoing, continuous process of the divine creative energy constantly creating and within each and every physical object. And then, then you don't notice the physical object because it's not about the physical object. What's the story here? The story is not the stone. Is that the story, the stone? What is the stone? The story of the stone is that the divine creative energy is creating the stone. That's the story. There's nothing else. That's, that's what it's all about. So it's not about the stone. 
That's not what's going on here. Is that what's going on here? There's a stone? What's really going on? What's really going on here is that only God has the power to create a stone. Something literally from nothing. Because it doesn't exist in the source. There's no physicality in the source. And this divine creative energy is constantly bringing the stone into existence each and every moment. And it's within the stone. The Hebrew letters, Evan, are within the stone. Constantly creating it, sustaining it, and animating it. Therefore, that's the real story. What is the stone? It's not only the stone is dependent on the divine, but the stone is an independent entity. The stone is nothing more. The story of the stone is the divine creative energy bringing the stone into existence. This, this moment, the dynamic process, the ongoing process is happening this very moment. That's the story. And that's what you'll see. You'll be blown away. You'll, you'll walk down the streets. You'll see a tree. You'll see the divine energy that's within the tree that's creating the tree. The infinite. The process. The dynamic process. That will blow you away. That's what's going on. That's the real story. It's not that the tree is an illusion. The tree is a tree. That's the whole point. Only God can create a tree. A physical entity. It's real. It's not an illusion. God created a physical stone. And He created a physical head. And if you bang that head into the stone, it will hurt. <laughs> what does it mean that God created us in His image? How does that square with what you're saying here? If there's no physical image of God, God doesn't have a physical image. And what is that based on, that we were created in His image? Um, firstly, he's talking, about the, he's talking about the soul. Oh, not, a, not the physical person. Right. Talking about the soul. Okay, then I understand. And uh, also God, we'll discuss later on in this Shari Yichud Vamuna, in the next few chapters, also God humanized himself, so to speak. In order to relate to us, God emanated the ten svirot. So God reveals emanates from himself wisdom, understanding, knowledge. That's why you have ten utterances. So in that sense, we are creating the image of God. But that's, let's leave that for later. Okay, so now he's going to bring a parable which explains how you can see it from two perspectives. The Elder Reverie proceeds to demonstrate how this is true of creatures that appear to be tangible by means of an illustration. An illustration of this is the light of the sun which illumines the earth and its inhabitants. This illumination is the radiance and the light which spreads forth from the body of the sun and is visible to all as it gives light to the earth and the expanse of the universe. Now it is obvious that this light and radiance is also <coughs> present in the very body and matter of the sun globe itself in the sky. For it can spread forth and shine to such a great distance then certainly it can shed light in its own place. However, there in its own place, this radiance is considered naught and complete nothingness, for it is absolutely non-existent in relation to the body of the sun globe, which is the source of this light and radiance. Inasmuch as this radiance and light is merely the illumination which shines from the body of the sun globe itself. Since the sun's light is merely an illumination deriving from the sun, it is in its state of complete nothingness while it is found within the sun globe itself. One cannot say that within the body of the sun, there was sunlight. Only the sun itself is found there. 
So you can't give what you don't have. Obviously, if the sun gives off light, obviously, whatever light has, the sun also has. But nevertheless, there is no light in the sun because light means nothing to the sun. Because the light to the sun is totally... It's totally... It's not like the sun invests a piece of itself when it gives off light. It's not like water. Water that flows, water that flows from high down, then water is missing in the source. When water flows from one place to the other, you have to remove the water from one place and, it, it, and then you bring it to another place. So something gives. Something, the source gives a piece of itself and that same water flows. The sun, however, the sun is not, the, uh, the sun is not depleted by the fact that it gives off light. The sun can give off light and light and it's not depleted whatsoever. It doesn't add anything to the sun. There is light. If there's clouds, there is no light. It means nothing to the sun. It's totally superficial to the sun. The analogy of light is light is totally superficial to you. So since light is totally superficial to its source, therefore it's not depleted because I'm not investing anything of, of myself. And the human analogy would be speech. When a person speaks, right? How many words? It's not like you have words stored in your soul and every time you speak you're depleting your soul. And you're losing a certain amount of words. You have a finite amount of words in your soul. If you live forever, you can speak forever. So how can a finite soul speak and speak and speak and speak and speak and speak nonstop? That's the whole point. Because speech to your soul is superficial. It's not like a finger. It's not like a piece of me. It's totally superficial. A speech is only for the other person. I don't need speech for myself. It doesn't add anything. Speech doesn't add anything for myself. Whatever I, what does speech do? Speech just reveals what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, what I, what I understand, what I comprehend, it doesn't add to comprehension. Speech doesn't add anything. It doesn't add to the feeling. The feeling is a raw experience. I love. You don't love in French or in English or in Russian. It's a raw experience. It's beyond words. So the eventually burn out. Not because of life, but also the analogy is... Exactly. Analogy is not perfect because everything in the physical world ultimately is finite. But not because of the light. It's not like it's leaving... We also have to stop speaking eventually because the person dies. But... If you lived another 80 years, you lived 100, 200 years, if you lived 1,000 years, there's no... The idea of speaking, every time you speak, it's like light off of the sun. It's nothing to you. Therefore, it doesn't add anything to you, it doesn't take away from you, it doesn't replenish you. It's totally superficial to you. So, of course, where does speech come from? It comes from within you. The words don't come from thin air. The words are within you. But while they're within you, you don't even notice it. When you're lost in thought and you grasp a concept, you don't even have words yet. A teacher who has to communicate to his students doesn't even have the language. Because he's not thinking in terms of words. Words come secondary. He doesn't need words. It's only when he stops and thinks, okay, how am I going to communicate this? He has to put himself in the shoes of the student that he has to come up with words. And when he does come up with these words, where do these words come from? They came from within him. Those words were, were within the concept. But within the concept, they don't exist. It's there, but it's not there. Because it's meaningless. It doesn't add anything. That's what, that's what we mean by light. Light is totally superficial to the sun. Of course it comes from the sun. It sources the sun. It's totally dependent on the sun. Just like when a person speaks, you're the speaker. The words come from within you. You're the source. But the words are like water off your back. It means nothing. It's not like, it's not a part of you. You're investing a piece of yourself. It's totally superficial to you. It's you. It comes from you. you it's the source. It's within the source. But while they're in the source, it doesn't exist. Because it doesn't add anything. Words don't bring anything to the table for you. It doesn't add anything. Light, 
all the properties of light, all the qualities of light, doesn't add anything to the sun. So it doesn't mean anything. Of course it's there. You can't give what you don't have. If the sun is the source of the light, surely whatever the light has comes from the sun. And the sun has it much greater. But while it's in the sun, there's nothing but the sun. There is no light. And a physical analogy that the Kabbalists bring, we know that everything is made up of earth, liquid, gas, energy, and and fire, uh, um, I'm sorry, gas, wind, and fire energy. Now, you take water, you put it through Jack's three strainers, filtering system, pure water, right? Take that pure water and cook it. You'll find on the bottom of the pot, you'll always find sediment. It's pure water. I filtered it. There wasn't a pure, clean. You cook it, and all of a sudden, what emerges is sediment. Where was it? It, it? I didn't create it. It was within the water. It's here, but it's not here. And it's only when you cook the water that it emerges. And that's like the letters, the words. The words are there. Your soul is full of words, but while they're in your soul, it doesn't add anything. It doesn't exist. You don't even notice. You don't even feel its existence. All you feel is the soul. All you feel is the pure love. All you feel is the pure experience or the pure, or the pure understanding, comprehension. There are no words there. Words don't mean anything. Words don't add anything. Words are external, superficial. That's the analogy of light. Light in comparison to the sun. Of course, the sun is the source. And it's connected to the source. And it points its finger to the source. And it reflects the source. Light reflects its source. Light tells you something about the sun, about the source. But nevertheless, the source, light doesn't exist within the source. It's almost as if it doesn't exist. That it doesn't exist. It has to exist within the source. Otherwise, you can't give what you don't have. Just like letters exist within your soul. But you don't even feel its existence because it doesn't really exist. It's there, but it's not there. The sediment is there, but it's not there. That's the meaning. That's the analogy of light. So, it, so it's almost as if it doesn't exist. He says it's only... perspectives you have you look at the way we see this this light outside of the sun right we're distant from the sun and therefore we see the light the light is, is an entity 
And then you have the way the, sun, the light exists within the sun. Over there it's a non-entity. It's a non-existence. So much so that there's nothing but the sun. Within the sun, all there is is the sun. There's nothing but the sun. Of course there's light, but it's a non-entity. It's a non-existence. Not only the light outside the sun is also not an independent entity. The light, the energy, is constantly connected to its source. The moment you don't see the sun, you don't see the light. A cloudy day, you don't see the light, you don't see the sun. You can't separate the source from its light. You shut off the switch, no electricity. You can't disconnect it from the generator, from the source. Energy is obviously connected to its source. It points that there is a source. It's not an independent entity. But nevertheless, it's an entity. An entity that's totally dependent on its source. But it's an entity. But this light in the sun is not an entity. It's a non-entity. It's non-existence. Not that it's an illusion, not that it doesn't exist. But it's a non-entity, it doesn't mean anything. All that exists is really the sun, that's all that means anything. There's nothing... So reality, that's really all, all that exists. So you can't even find the light. You can't even call it by a name. It's like within the soul, you have letters in your soul, but you don't even notice it. You don't even feel it. It's there, but you don't even feel it. Exact parallel to this illustration is the relationship between all created beings and the divine flow of the life force that emanates from the breath of his mouth, which flows upon them and brings them into existence and their source. However, the created beings themselves are merely like the diffusing light, emulgence <coughs> from the flow and spirit of God, which issues forth from him, becomes clothed in them and brings them from not in being. In other words, we are really, we are really our physical being. We are like light that emanates from the sun. The sun, in this case, is the divine energy, the Hebrew letters, the divine energy with which God creates us. That's our source. And it's that source, we flow from that divine energy. We like emanate from that divine energy. In other words, we are really the divine energy that's really miraculously transforming itself, really into this cup of water, into you and I. It's really the divine energy. We are none other than the divine energy that's transformed itself into a physical entity. Right. It's miraculous. It. Yes, it yes. Do by itself. Yes. That God transforms His divine energy into a glass of water. So it's really, it's really... It's, it's the divine energy that transforms itself into, into the physical, into, into all entities. So that's like the sun that emits light. So the divine energy emits from itself and becomes this cup of water. The sun doesn't change the light. Just light, go, light leaves the sun, but the sun doesn't turn the light into something else. <coughs> God turns that energy into something else. Well, exactly. That, that's where the analogy to the sun <clears throat> stops. Because the sun, the light of the sun, reflects the source. Here, the physical object does not reflect the source. There is no physical object in the source. There's no stone in the source. There's no physical ox. Not only in the source, even in the spiritual. You're not going to find anything physical and spiritual. In the million years, in the million progressions, infinite progressions, you'll never ever end up with something physical. You can go from one level to the next level, to a lower level, a lower level, 
you will not end up with something physical. Physical is is like takes us by surprise. It's like a where did this come from? Creation is like a is like a a quantum leap. Unpredictable. Only God can create something from nothing. Totally new. Takes us by surprise. Where where did this cup come from? Where did this physical world come from? Where did this stone come from? Where did this angel come from? Where did this where did this all come from? Time and space. And we're constantly shocked and stunned. Where did this come from? It doesn't make any sense. Because if you can have infinite progressions, one level to the next, like a long chain reaction of one level revealing a next level, leading to a next level, you'll never ever end up with something physical. Physical is only God has the power to shock us, to surprise us, to create something totally unpredictable. Like we're, 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 we're going from one level to the other and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, suddenly we end up with a cup of water. Where did this cup of water come from? What's the connection between this cup of water and the, and the metaphor that the water reflects, which is some divine attribute of water? See, so right, in that, sense, in that sense, the analogy is not accurate because the light reflects the sun. <coughs> the physical doesn't reflect the source. He's only bringing the analogy that since the divine energy is within us, therefore the divine energy is like the sun and we are like the emanation of the sun. We are like the... the, the because we are really the divine energy that's really transformed, is transformed into a physical entity. Into a stone, into... So why is the Torah said that she's barad and Because he's keep constantly creating. The question was why did say Bereish is bara, God created. Yeah, so it says is Well the Torah starts with the first first moment of creation because there's a difference between even though God is creating the world constantly, but there is a difference between the first time and all the other times, all the other times, God is just renewing, He's re- recreating, versus the first moment of creation. In the yeah, in the beginning. He created the beginning. In the beginning, He created the beginning. And He created the first time creation. It's not a, it's not a novel. It is a novelty, but we don't sense a novelty. So it's constantly recreating, but Hashem is recreating something that already has existed. But the first time God created, that, that was really, that was novel, that was the most dramatic. Now God is recreating and that things appear to flow very smoothly. But, so it's recreating something that already, that already existed before. The first time God created it, that's the most dramatic moment. Preshit bara. Bara means it's astonishing. It's 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 unpredictable, out of nowhere. Like, where do you end up with something physical? Where do you end up with time, space, entities? Physic doesn't make any sense. It's something from nothing. It doesn't exist in its source. But that's the power of God. Only God has the power to create something from nothing, not to reveal something that's there. Physical doesn't exist in its source. Not even the spiritual. How much more so in the divine? So it's an act of God. But that act of God, that power to create, the Hebrew words mayim, that's creating this water, this very moment, this is like the sun. 
And the physical water is like the light that emanates from the sun. But it's like the light that exists within the sun. Because this physical water is, exists within the, within the Hebrew, within the divine energy. It doesn't exist outside of it. The divine energy is within this water, this very moment, creating it. The creative energy is at this very moment creating this divine act of, of creating something physical. And it's within it. And it's constantly recreating it each and every moment. So it's like the, the physical water is within its source, within the sun. So in that sense, the analogy is correct. It's like the light within the sun, that there's nothing but the sun. It's a non-entity, it's a non-existence. Not that it's illusion. The light exists in the sun. It must exist in the sun. If it, you can't give what you don't have. If there's no light in the sun, how can the light emit light? How can the sun emit light? But it's a non-entity. Just like your soul speaks words. The words are there, but it's a non-entity. It doesn't mean anything. It's there, but it's a non-entity. So the fourth, the physical, it's not an illusion. God created the physical world. It's real. But it's a non-entity. What, there's nothing but the sun, the source, the divine energy. There's nothing but the divine. Where we were yeah, hence there, this is nullified in relation to their source, just as the light of the sun is nullified and is considered not out of nothing, and is not at all referred to as, ex- as existing, but is within its source. Seems to be the sun, the term existence applies to only beneath the heavens where it sources. In the same manner, the term existence can be applied to all created things only as they appear to our corporeal eyes. We do not see nor at all comprehend the source, which is the spirit of God that brings them into existence. Therefore, since we do not see nor comprehend their source, it appears to our eyes that the physicality, materiality, and tangibility of created things actually exist. Just as the light of the sun appears to exist fully when it is not within its source and is found within the expanse of the universe. In truth, the source of all creatures is constantly found within them. Our failure to perceive this notwithstanding. Hence, their existence is totally nullified in relation to their source and they cannot be said to truly exist. In the following respect, the illustration is apparently... So these are the two perspectives. When God created, we talk about, the Kabbalists talk about the world of Atsilas, the world of emanation, the world of unity, the divine world, tense sphere of. Then you have the world of separation, which begins with the world of Berea, beginning of separation, which is the world of the angels, and then the lower level of angels, until you have the world of action, which is our world, the physical, material world. So the spiritual entities, the angelic entities, they are like the light of the sun that's outside of the sun. They know that there is a source. Their whole being points their finger to the source. You look at the light, you know that there's a sun that points to the sun. You can't see one without the other. An angel, an angelic being, points its finger to its source. But nevertheless, it's a separate entity. It's an entity that fully knows and it's totally dependent on its source. It's like an energy that's totally connected to the source. And, um, and it's constantly connected to the source. And that's a level that, you know, the, the Kabbalists try to achieve, to be absorbed within God. To be like a light, to become like a light that's connected to its source. To be a light that's an energy. When you become like energy, you become spiritual. Spirituality, energy is connected to its source can't separate it from its source. It knows that there's a source. It points its finger to the source. It's constantly absorbed and connected to its source. 
So the mystical quest was one to be like an angel, to be connected, to be like, become like an energy, to become connected to the source. But you're really a separate entity, but you're an entity that's connected to the source. Then, of course, you have the physical and material world, which we're not, we don't, not only don't we feel that we're totally dependent on our source, we feel totally independent. We feel very comfortable with the fact that there is no source. That's how we feel experientially, emotionally. There is no source. There are those who even deny that there is a source. <coughs> so much so, there are those who even take the illogical position, irrational position, illogical position. That the book has no author, the art has no, there's no creative artist behind creativity there's no source there's no creator there's no logic there's no reason there's no cause but the truth is and this is the truth of the world of emanation the divine world that not only do we have it wrong the sense of independence is incorrect but even the sense of, of total dependence is not either correct the sense that we are a separate entity but totally dependent is not either correct. Because the truth is we're not a separate entity. We are within the source. We are within the sun. We are the light within the sun. So there's nothing but the sun. There's nothing but the source. Nothing. The truth is that, right, we're, we're non-entity, we're non-existence. The sense that what's really going on here, what is really happening, the real story is the divine energy that's constantly creating it. That, that's, that's what it's all about. This separate identity is, is, is not an illusion? No. It's not an illusion. God forbid, it's not an illusion. God created the physical world. But if we were truly to see the truth, then we would actually see that we... We wouldn't see the physical. The Rabbi Dov Ber, the Magid Mizrich, the teacher of the Balatanya, the Rebbe of the Balatanya, he said that three days, he was speaking about himself, it was three days before he passed away. He said that three days before you return your soul to Hashem, because you don't see the physical, you see, you physically see the divine energy. He's talking about himself, obviously. And the same story happened with Alter Rebbe. Alter Rebbe passed away Saturday night, Parsha Shemais. And his grandson was with him, and he says, he pointed to the roof, or to the beam, he says, what do you see? His grandson said, it was a future Rebbe, he said, I see a beam. I don't see a beam. I see the divine energy. Which he meant that he physically sees the divine But right before he passed away, you got a taste of the future, you got a taste of where we'll all be, in the year 6,000, in the millennium, 7th millennium, in the, in the sabbatical, the ultimate sabbatical, which is after Mashiach and after the resurrection, like the third level when the world, as we know, will be totally unrecognizable. We'll all advance to a much, much higher level. We'll physically and naturally, with our naked eye, physically see the divine creative energy. And therefore, that's the story. You don't even notice the stone. Just like... You, just like within the sun, the sun doesn't notice the light. The light is there, but it doesn't notice it. 
Just like your soul is filled with letters, you don't even notice it. It's not there, it's there, but it's not, you don't even notice it. All you notice is the, is the soul. All you notice is the sun. So to all you notice, all you see is the divine energy. You don't see anything else. It's there, it's not an illusion. It's only, it's, it takes a divine creative energy to create the physical entity. But you don't see it, that's not, what's, that's not the story. The story is the godly ability to create something from nothing. That's the story. That's what you see. And you wouldn't even notice the physical. And that's the reason why the Rebbe explained elsewhere in the first part of Tani. That's why the soul, the soul comes down to this world. The soul was in heaven. The soul was like an angel in heaven. But the soul was still an independent entity, but an independent entity that's totally dependent on its source. Heaven, heaven is illuminated. Heaven is pure energy, pure soul, pure spirituality. You see, it's open, it's obvious, it's clear. You see that there's a source, you connect it to the source. <laughs> but nevertheless, you're an independent entity. The soul has to come into this dark world, into this physical dark world, materialistic world, which covers up this con world that cons us, distorts, paints a, a false picture gives us a sense of independence, a sense of total disconnected world. In order to achieve an ascent, to achieve a higher level than the soul was when it was in heaven. Because it's only in this world that you become a light within the sun. You become part of Hashem. And he gave the analogy, and that's through the mitzvot, the divine mitzvot. The divine mitzvot this is, this is how we achieve the unity of the level of the world of emanation. The level of the world of unity. And they gave the analogy of the physical body. Because the physical body is, becomes one, inseparable from the soul. The physical body has no ego, no separate entity. It's not independent. It's not just that the body it depends on the soul for its energy, for its life. When a person is alive, the identity of the body is the soul. It's inseparable. You don't know where the soul ends, the body begins. The body becomes alive. So much so, that the moment you want to move your hand, you move your hand without even consciously thinking about it. It just happens automatically. The body becomes so in tune with the soul, the body has no separate entity but the soul. So it's only in this world that we have the ability to become God's body, so to speak. Because God wants us to move our hands, to give tzedakah. God wants us to move our legs, to come to shul. And 248 limbs, 248 mitzvot. And when a Jew's 248 uh, limbs are engaged in 248 mitzvot, your whole being, when your whole being becomes immersed in Torah and mitzvot, and your being becomes an exp you become a body to God's will. So then you become one with God, you become inseparable with God, your whole being becomes God. You become absorbed within the source. That's the meaning of a non-entity. You become a non-entity, a non-separate entity. How is that possible, a non-entity? We all have egos. How is it possible we can achieve that level of unity where we are totally one with God, we're, we're not a separate entity from God? And the only way is through Torah and Mitzvah. When a Jew follows the Mitzvah, and does the mitzvah physically, 
Only in this world, the angel waits, the, the soul waits thousands of years to come down to this world. Because it's only when you come down to this world and you physically do a mitzvah, with your physical body, you physically do a mitzvah while you're alive, you can become absorbed within God, you can become one with God. Inseparable from God. Just like the unity of the body and the soul. You become God's body, so to speak. And you become inseparable from God. And your whole life you become one. A non, you're not separate. You're, you're non-entity, you're non-existence, you're not separate. Your whole being becomes God. So although we can't experience it, we can't experience it experientially, emotionally, but we could live it practically and achieve it and, and accomplish it in our lives through the Torah and Mitzvah. In the following respect, it is fairly not completely identical with the object in the illustration of the source. The sun is not present at all in the expanse of the universe and upon the earth, whereas where its light is seen as actually existing. Since the sun itself is not present upon the earth, its rays are able to assume a seeming reality of their own. It is therefore readily understandable why they are perceived as existing independently. By contrast, all created beings are always within their source. The divine activating force, which is continuously found within them, constantly creating them and, and uh, animating them, um, excuses. And it's only that the source is not visible to our physical eyes. Since in reality they are indeed within their source at all times, why are they not nullified in their source? Why are creatures not nullified within their source in an obvious and revealed, revealed manner so that there is no mistaking them as independent existing beings? To understand this, some prefatory remarks are necessary. The author of Ebelubando explained that the divine power of consuming contraction is responsible for hiding Hashem's life so that it will not be perceptible to created beings. This enables creation to be perceived as possessing, possessing existence, whereas reality is totally nullified within its source. So, he leaves us with a question. If the truth is that we are like the light within the sun, because the divine energy is constantly within, the, within us, within, the, within everything that exists, so therefore the physical entity exists within its source, the light that emits from the source, the source that transforms itself into this physical energy, is within the, phys, it's within the divine energy, so therefore it should be non-existent, it should be a, non, a separate entity. So how is it possible that we, that we do experience ourselves as separate entities and so much more so we experience ourselves as independent entities not even like light outside of the sun how is it possible since the truth is that God is creating us constantly and we couldn't exist one moment without the divine energy is constantly within us and creating us and sustaining us so therefore not only are we totally dependent on God but our whole being, our whole essence is nothing other than godliness, so we're really not a separate entity, we're a non-entity, non-existence, and the whole, the real reality is that we are the divine energy, the divine miracle, the divine ability to create, that's all we are. We're just an expression of God's creativity, that's all we are. We're nothing more than that. So why is it that we don't sense anything divine? Why is it such a disconnect? How is it possible? The light senses its source, the light in the sun is totally nullified before its source. It, we don't feel nullified at all. We are within the sun. We are within the source. And at the same time, we don't feel any bittle. We don't feel any nullification. We feel very egotistical, very arrogant, very independent. So it doesn't make any sense. Where did that come from? How is it possible? If the truth is that only God can create something from nothing. So only God can create something physical. Fine. But that something physical should 
B, like he explains here, you shouldn't even notice the physical. He says if the eye had permission to see, as it will be in the future, the eye will be given permission to see, you wouldn't even notice the physical. The Alter Rebbe says, I don't see a beam, I see, I see, I see the divine energy. I, I don't even notice the beam. That's not what it's about. What's it about? The creative energy of Hashem to bring this beam into existence, nothing else. That's the story. That's the dynamic. That's what's going on here. So, so of course, the physical beam is real. He's not saying that it's an illusion, but, but it, that's not what it's about. The light exists within the sun, but it's a non-existent, non-entity. The letters exist in the soul, it's a non-entity. All that exists, all you notice, all, all that really matters is really the soul. Nothing else really exists. And he leaves us with this question. That's interesting. There were many rabbis, whenever they studied philosophy, they would first study the answer. And then they would study the question. Because they said, if a person, let's say a person starts reading the question, a philosophical question about God, and then you fall asleep. So all night you're going to be left with a question, questioning God. And by the time you get to the answer, all night you were thinking heresy. So they would start with the answer. That's why in Enkelokeinu, we say in Davening, first you say the answer and then you say the question. Enkelokeinu, there's no one like God. Then you say, Who is God? First you give the answer, then you give the question. Here, the Alter Rebbe leaves off the chapter with a question. And we're going to wait all week to get the answer. Why do you leave us with a question? And the answer is, because the philosophical questions are questions on God. You know that you exist. Your assumption is that I exist. The question is, does God exist? Is it real? So if you have a question that can cloud your belief in God, that's a dangerous thing. Here is questions is the opposite. The question is, if, and the truth is, and the reality is that there's nothing but God, and therefore our whole substance is godliness, and really that's all there is is really God. So how could there be any independent existence? Because with this question, you can sleep all week. <laughs> questioning your ego, questioning yourself, questioning... God for sure exists. He, tur- he turned everything upside down. God is a reality. God exists a thousand percent. The question is, how could... What do you mean we exist? What do you mean there's an existence outside of God, independent of God? How could there be a sense of independence, a sense of separation? That's, see, that's, that's, that's a new type of question. This is a question that you can think of. It's like a, a chassid lived in the same house as a as a heretic and uh, you know and it was a Hasidic gathering and they said L'chaim and they were making a ruckus they were singing and, and the heretic comes down and he says why don't you behave you know people are trying to sleep what's all this commotion and the Hasid looks at him and he says you know you know the difference in you and I he says you think about God all day he says I think about myself all day Heretic says, you know, that's the first, that's the first uh, sensible thing I heard out of your mouth. Maybe we can, we can communicate with each other. The chas says, no, you don't understand what I mean. He says, to you, you exist. You take your existence for granted. So a whole day you're thinking, does God exist? Doesn't God exist? What does God existence mean? Are we creating God in our own image? He says, to me, it's just the opposite. God exists, that's the assumption. God is. That's the reality. The question is, if God exists, and God is, 
how do I get into how do I fit into this picture? What is the meaning of I? Why isn't this one just one big illusion? Maybe the Easterns are right. Well, maybe, maybe, how is it possible that God exists and yet this is real? This is for real. This is not just some illusion. This is a dream. But we exist. God exists at the same time. Where's the room for me? So I'm a whole day I'm thinking about myself. Do I exist? Don't I exist? What does that existence mean? What's it all about? So, so this question, this question is a good question to finish on and uh, to be continued. Lessons in Tanya, taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. For more Tanya study, please visit our website at www.lessonsintanya.com.